Okay, welcome into the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview for RBC's Heritage Week. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter. Nice to have you aboard on a Wednesday as we bring you the latest as far as PGA Tour handicapping is concerned. It was a good week for the Masters picks. I would have loved to hit a winning ticket, but we stayed in plus units due to phenomenal props. And as for this week, the field doesn't get any weaker as five of the top 10 and 13 of the top 25 players in the world teed up this week in South Carolina. Led, give me the news. What's happening, my friend? Yeah, not too much. Uh, you know, it was great to see Scotty get it done. Uh, finally got over the hump. No, I'm just kidding. The fact that he's, <laughs> what, he's won four times in seven starts or four times in six starts now. He's on, uh, he's on tiger pace now, it seems like. So, uh, you know, pretty cool to see you know, Rory kind of, kind of in it, kind of in it down the stretch. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to look at some other things here. Uh, you know, not my best uh, week by any, by any shot. Uh, well, you, I mean, you had a great week there, but in terms of, uh, you know, we had withdrawal Casey, we had Louis Hazen not be able to, uh, to play 72 holes. So that was a bit tough, but we also had some winning tickets, you know, Shane Lowry top 20. Um, we had, Scotty Scheffler over Cam Smith in a matchup, which uh, I thought was over after 36 hole, but Cam Cam made a bit of a run um, down the stretch there. But um, yeah, just another, you know, Scotty has got to start taking, I mean, we, got, we have been taking him seriously, but, you know, obviously he's, he's number one player in the world by landslide now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, you know, we, t- I talked a lot about over the last couple of weeks. Well, really for the last month now, how I've been seeing, you know, the, the, the Scotty's year has been so reminiscent to Jordan Spieth in 2015. It's even greater now, you know, Spieth had only won the ballast bar before uh, his master's win. And now Scotty go, is going to go to a place like uh, Southern Hills for the PGA championship where he can absolutely dominate very close to home in, in Oklahoma. Uh, so it'll be exciting to, to keep following him. Uh, and yeah, like you said, great play for you with Scheffler over uh, Smith. I had Scheffler over Rom, uh, and I think you know our main thing last week, as far as uh, picks to fade, our concern was to fade Rom, uh, to fade Hovland, to to fade guys that have really not been it down on the greens. Deshambo, the long drive circus, Deshambo, what a clown he is. And, uh, you know, that, that those were great plays. You know, Horschel over Haddon, I thought was my most exciting play last week because it came down to the wire. These two were tied uh, going into the final round. And, uh, you know, Billy ended up uh, beating him as Haddon, you know, completely threw up all on himself in the, in the final round to finish DFL. We'll get more into that later. Uh, I'm actually running it back with the Horschel over Haddon matchup. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then... Uh, Morikawa over Hovland was another nice one to get. Colin played exceptionally well. Yeah, and a little nugget on Sheffield you mentioned earlier with the PGA coming up at Southern Hills. I uh, saw that Scotty, he won the Big 12 championships at Southern Hills when he was uh, at Texas. So he said it's, I saw a quote that it's his favorite golf course or something. Yeah, so I, I'm, and Led, you look at the, you look at the venues, you look at the venues of the major championships this year. And it kind of has that magical feel. I mean, look, Grand Has, Slam. Hashtag lit. Scotty Slam is live. Yeah, I mean, well, you look at it, you go to Southern Hills, where, in my opinion, uh, going into this major season, I looked at Southern Hills as, as the major where he would have the best chance at, based off what you just said. 
But then you go to St. Andrews or you go to Brookline for the U.S. Open and then you go to St. Andrews. I mean, that's three incredible venues filled with so much history. Um, you know, of course, Brookline, where the U.S. Open is, if you've seen greatest game ever played, that's where Francis Ilmet won the 1913 U.S. Open as an amateur. And uh, and then Brookline and then, of course, in 1999, Payne Stewart, uh, his final Ryder Cup and uh, with Justin Leonard draining that putt on Jose Marie Orthobel and all of Team USA storming the green. And of course, St. Andrews, where the Open is, you know, where the big cat Tiger Woods has uh, was it two of his open championships at St. Andrews? 2000, yes. 2000. Yeah. 2000. Um, yeah. So, uh, but all in all, you know, head to heads for the masters was great. Uh, as far as the picks to place were concerned, uh, had Sung JM top 20, Rob Mack top 40 was probably my most exciting ticket there. Um, it was great to see him back in the mix at Augusta. Of course, Shane Lowry top 20, me and led both had that. The disappointing thing was, uh, you know, we had Kepka top 10 plus 190. He missed the cut. That was probably my biggest, um, you know, uh, you know, what I was most wrong about heading into to, to the Masters was Kepka. They've got to figure out this DraftKings stuff too. Cause if you have, you know, I had Paul Casey in my lineup and he's withdrawing, you know, 20 minutes before he tees off, they somehow got to find a way for you to have a backup guy who, if he hasn't teed off yet or somehow be able to fill that. Cause it just seems unfair. You know, you, whatever, $15 entry, whatever you end up doing. And then all of a sudden Casey says, uh, you know, the, the fades not fading today. I'm going to, I'm going to not play in the masters. And now all of a sudden I'm playing f- uh, a man down out there. Isn't that their dream though? You know, to have yeah, guys exactly. like Louie and Paul, you know, withdraw five minutes Jeez. before led, yeah. you know, DraftKings says, let me take your money. Tears of a clown, they say. But, yeah. uh, you know, as far as uh, the dark horses were concerned, Stu Hagstad, top 20 plus 360, obviously, probably my worst ticket of the week. He's obviously been spending more time in the office than the golf course. Luckily, we rebounded with uh, the Kevin Na top 20 plus 360 ticket to kind of cancel out our dark horse tickets. Um, and then Russell Henley, top 20 plus 155. Um, ends my dark horse streak is that did not hit, but all in all around eight and five for the props last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's we're on to, we're on to, uh, to Harbor town. Now we got five of the top 10 players in the world. Normally this field is a, you know, not great. Cause everybody is just exhausted from walking up and down the hills of, a of Augusta. But honestly, I think it's given the fact that, you know, when you look at the schedule, you got Zurich classic, the week after, you've got the new Mexico Open kind of event, which isn't a WGC. Guys are looking to get some rounds in before the BGA. Yeah, we didn't see that uh, uh, from this tournament prior to COVID. Um, and, and like you said, it was more of a post-Masters celebration spot, maybe a place where some of the younger tour players could get a, get a start in. But that year during COVID, this event was moved away from the week after the masters um, and it got an outstanding field that year. And since then, nothing's changed. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was like the second event back after COVID. So everybody just wanted to play some golf. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, after they played it, a lot of the guys have been coming back because, you know, it is a good course design and stuff like that. So All, also know. led RBC, what they do, you know, they do it for the Canadian open. They do it for this. 
you know, they're, they're one of those sponsors that will uh, kind of lube up the players a little bit to uh, to come out and play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the RBC guys for sure. Yeah, we know <laughs> DJs of the world. <laughs> little little entry money. Said, take that Saudi league. You know? Yeah, we, we they can play those games too. Certainly. Is Connor is Corey Connors an RBC guy as well? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Could I be, have right? to go look because there's a lot more RBC patches on sleeves on tour than than we think. I mean, they're yeah. they're everywhere. Yeah. So you know, we're heading to South Carolina, Hilton Head Island. So this week we are playing Harbor Town Golf Links. It's a par 71 that measures 7,121 yards. Only three par fives this week. Uh, it is a Pete Dye, Jack Nicholas design. And here are our course comps. Wailai, you know, where the Sony Open is played. Sea Island, Colonial. It's been described as a poor man's sawgrass. Doc, most of these courses that I'm mentioning, you know, the theme of the golf course is accuracy over power. I would completely agree. I think I, you know, I love your comp there with Wiley. You see guys like a Webb Simpson. Uh, you see some of the uh, more strategic players on the tour. Davis Love won this bunch. Jim Furyk, uh, Jim Furyk, Stuart Sink. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys. Th- th- this Matt Kuchar. This tournament mm-hmm. is is circled on their schedule. Maybe a Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. I think Wiley is a great comp for this week. Yeah, and if you're a short hitter, you're honestly licking your chops this week. You know, it's a course that puts a premium on driving accuracy. Uh, one of the terms I've seen, uh, you know, during some of the press conference, it's almost been described as is claustrophobic. You know, you got that kind of that middle seat on that four hour flight, uh, you know, sitting on the runway there that can, you know, even that first tee shot right out of the gate. It's <laughs> if you're not in the fairway. You're pretty much blocked out. It's a tough week to be one of uh, Jordan Spieth's drivers. Yes, 100%. But for the most part, you will be able to keep the driver in the bag because it is short. Um, You know, a couple other things with the golf course, like we said, narrow fairways, overhanging trees, water is in play on half the holes. You will have to be able to work the ball both ways here. Um, Doc, one of the things I'm going to kind of go with is I'm not too worried about some of the poor drivers of the golf ball, just given the fact that, you know, a guy like a DJ is only going to be hitting it, you know, three, four times around. So the fact that he looked like he had never hit a driver before at Augusta isn't too concerning, given the fact that he's only going to have to hit it a couple of times. Uh, the average drive is 15 yards shorter than tour average this week, kind of just backing up the fact that we will be clubbing down on most of the holes. Um, but like we said, claustrophobic. There are multiple times throughout the round. If you're on the right side of the fairway and you've got a dog with right and the pin is on the right, you honestly have no shot to really be able to get that, you know, inside 20 feet without some Bubba, you know, banana slice <laughs> kind of situation. Um, in terms of just, you know, talking about the golf course, these are the second smallest screens they'll be facing all year on tour. The average PJ tour green is 6,600 square feet, whereas Harbor Town's is 3,700. The smallest on tour, Pebble Beach, second smallest uh, at Harbortown. So I think some other stats to look at, which we're not normally not too concerned about maybe is around the greens, right? Because, you know, there's some ball strikers out there that, uh, you know, they could, like a Hobland who's not playing this week, but even a guy like him, you know, a good, a good week, sorry, a good day out there is hitting 12, 13 greens, and you're going to have to still be able to get the ball up and down because of the fact the greens are so small. You can hit a great, it's a great seven iron and it kind of kicks over the side and you need to be able to get the ball up and down. Um, let's see some other things to look at. 
you know, we're right on the coast here. So there's some swirly winds uh, that we're going to have to be, you know, flighting the golf ball. So, uh, you know, whether it's working the ball right to left, left to right, or just, you know, being able to be a shot maker, you know, guys that stand out or maybe a Joaquin Neiman or a Shane Lowry, just looking at the board early. Also some uh, bumpy weather rolling in on the weekend, some possible rain showers. So I'm right there with you, led guys like Shane Lowry, um, you know, Fitzpatrick guys that can perform in this weather uh, on, on a strategic golf course like this. Um, I love this week. Yeah. The last five winners have averaged uh, eight uh, strokes gained approach at the end of the week. So, you know, we definitely want to be looking at some iron players. It is a second shot golf course. Uh, most of the time, right. You're hitting a hybrid or three and off the tee. You'd hope to be able to hit the fairway, but like we said, with the super small greens, some wind out there, uh, so p- potentially some weather, we definitely want to be taking some iron players. Just naming the last couple winners, like we said, the theme, accuracy over power, the guys that stand out. Um, Stuart Sink, who actually kind of has been a little longer in the in the last couple yeah, of years here. He, absolutely. He, did little, he did his own little Bryson, uh, Bryson uh, offseason and kind of got 10, 15 yards. But you know, looking at the other other guys, Webb Simpson, a CT Pan, a Sadoshi Kadira, a Wesley Bryan, um, Brandon Grace, a Jim Furyk, a Matt Kuchar. These are all past champions that kind of stand out in that, you know, plotter rather than, you know, an A to B guy rather than a bomber uh, type player. When we look at the winning score over the past 10 uh, tournaments, uh, it's about 14 under par. So, you know, right in kind of the mid tier in terms of uh, how difficult the course plays, you know, very weather dependent. Um but the couple of key stats we'll be looking at just based off the golf course strokes gained approach. Uh, you know, I'm tempted to look at strokes gained on Bermuda greens, but it also has a little bit of a POA overseed. So it's going to be kind of comparable to maybe uh, a sawgrass or um, TPC Scottsdale. Uh, and then even uh, looking at Valspar. So we looked at the, the, the putting from those events, um, you know, proximity from 125 to 200 is certainly something to look at. And then course history, because it is a, you know, claustrophobic kind of old school golf course. We have seen a lot of guys that have done well over here. There's a lot of uh, multiple time winners. Um, but Doc, the one event I'm really going to be looking at, it's funny. Even as I was looking at the board, it's like, you know, guys, I like to fit this golf course. You, you scroll up the, you know, how they did at Wiley at the Sony Open or, you know, some other courses that kind of fit that profile. And they all kind of have top 10, top 20s there. Uh, in their past. So, you know, looking at the field and the numbers, like we, we know we got a great field, so it is pretty top heavy and then it falls off a little bit. So, you know, even starting the board here, uh, the first couple of guys, pretty uh, short odds. That's just given the fact after you get outside the top 10, it, there's definitely a, you know, a, a next tier. Yeah, of course. And the, you know, the 2021 edition had the highest official world golf ranking strength of field, figure for any PGA tour event last year that didn't have a limited field. Uh, that was not a major, a WGC or a FedEx cup playoff event. So as far as the regular season is concerned, uh, one of the best of the best here, the week after the masters and uh, you know, a lot to look forward to with the likes of Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Shane Lowry, Dustin Johnson, and some of the more names that we will get into today. We'll start by evaluating some of the top favorites in the field. Uh, then we'll work our way into the great props, the matchups, the picks to place, the dark horses. Then we'll give you a few outright winners. We'll move into our lineup scoring predictions 
and best bet celeb. I'll get it started here with Justin Thomas at nine to one. Okay, so uh, world number eight makes his fourth start at Harbortown, and uh, you know there won't be many looks to properly play Justin Thomas this week. His matchups among the books are mostly against Colin Morikawa, who out of the favorites I really like this week. Led, we'll get into him in a second, but the Justin Thomas top 10 number at plus 110, I guess, you know, not terrible considering uh, that at the start of the event this week in South Carolina, Justin Thomas will be number one in strokes gained, biggest chip on his shoulder. You know, it had to be embarrassing and it had to be humiliating to open the matches with a 76 after riding Tiger's coattails to the practice rounds of Augusta National. And nothing against the relationship JT has with Tiger. You know, every player and their mothers, including, uh, you know, Jason Day would kill for that kind of bond with Tiger. But JT had to learn the hard way that, you know, when you're overshadowed by Tiger's presence during Masters preparation, you have to be entire, you have to be ready for an entirely different wave of exhaustion as far as the media presence is concerned. And at the end of the day, uh, that's why we heard JT say, you know, he woke up the morning of the first round at Augusta and he was completely out of it. Uh, but that being said, I think JT comes to Hilton Head, uh, maybe with a, with a pissed off attitude and ready to make some sort of run. He has two finishes inside the top 11 and three starts here. So uh, as far as Justin Thomas is concerned, it's going to be a top 10 uh, plus 125 ticket on FanDuel or pass for me this week. Yeah, Doc. Uh, nine to one is a little short for a guy for JT, um, especially hasn't been putting exactly how he would like to. But, you know, moving into our next guy, Colin Morikawa, 12 to one. I just want to preface the fact I have no problem with the Colin ticket. OK, Colin is coming off a fifth place finish at the Masters last week. We like that. He's 14th off the tee, third approach in his last 50 rounds relative to the field. We don't like that he's 101st around the greens, 105th in putting. Um, Doc, at 12 to 1, I have a little trouble uh, taking a guy who's been, you know, putting so poorly as of late. We know he is a type of ball striker that can win, even if he's not putting great, right? He's, he's won some PJ Tour events where he's lost strokes putting. But, uh, you know, lost strokes on the greens in seven of his last 10 rounds. Bermuda is by far his worst service. I know we got a surface. I know we got a little bit of a Bermuda hybrid POA situation. But um, I'm going to look for potentially calling in some matchups just because, you know, he is a great iron player. This, this should, should suit him, this golf course. You know, looking at how he's done here, he made the cut in 2020, finished tied seventh last year. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to have a winning ticket on him this week, but I am going to look for him in some matchups. Uh, I agree with everything you said, and I might even fall for the 12-1 to ticket this week as far as Morikawa winning uh, is concerned. What a great look for him. Uh, here in South Carolina this week. So um, I'll be looking to play him matchups and probably as well as a winning ticket this week. Yeah. And when you look past, you know, a JT nine to one number, I don't mind, you know, maybe plucking a couple guys in this top 10, just be given the fact that it falls off, you know, it's like, we got a lot of guys kind of in that, uh, you know, 10 to one, 20 to four to one that are studs. And then it kind of falls off to that next kind of, you know, 35 yeah. to one, 40, you know, 50 yeah. to one range where you're actually going to be able to get that value. Yeah. And then, and then you got Morgan Hoffman, at, you know, a hundred to one playing without a left peck, you know, yeah. Incredible you know, story there. Did you hear about story. that? 
great story. I saw, you know, I've read the article where he was kind of drinking some urine uh, as a little bit of a uh, drinking urine, a- doing psychedelics, all all into the holistic way of healing. And you know, he looks great. I mean, yeah, he, he said that six months ago he had uh, no, you know, not only no muscle, but not even any fat on his. Did on you his, say motorcycle accident his, too? On, on his peck. We'll get into that. Yeah, on his peck. And then, uh, you know, yesterday in the press conference looked great. And then, yeah, he was going to play in the Honda a couple months ago. And he didn't go to detail, but said he uh, got into a motorcycle accident, kind of on his uh, on his Fernando Tatis Jr. stuff, except he's not going to make $13 million over the next uh, – or wait – yeah, I think I think Tatis is making 13 million a year. Don't take my baseball contract lingo, but you get the point. Tatis got in a I mean, terrible you, uh, motorcycle accident before the season. Go ahead. I mean, if, if you're in Hoffman's group, you definitely want to make sure you set your water bottle down in the right spot. Imagine grabbing the wrong one there and getting a little, uh, you know, Morgan Hoffman special. No, thank you. <laughs> wow, what combo that'd be. That is not. But anyway, theory. yeah, great. It'll be a great story for for Hoffman this week. Unfortunately, you know the. The you know no pass play. This is almost you know a uh, you know his warm up event. Hopefully for more events to come, there will there will be nothing on him this week for me at least. But anyway, I know our next favorite uh, Patrick Cantley at fourteen to one, and Cantley is a guy who was rolling through two rounds at Augusta and fell back over the weekend. But the two thousand twenty one Player of the Year has really been improving week week after week. Uh, with the putter, you know, if you would have told me this time last year that Cantlay would be 21st in putting on the PGA Tour, I would have called you crazy. Really impressive stuff there from Patrick Cantlay. When he came to Harbor Town last year, he was on the back end of a terrible stretch on the greens, and his result here was a miscut. But that was a very rare result on this golf course for Cantlay because prior to the miscut here last year, he had not finished outside the top 10 in three starts at this golf tournament. I would stay away or fade Cantlay in the Dustin Johnson matchup on FanDuel. Uh, and, you know, because DJ, he seems like he's really about to hit his stride and he's going to be a phenomenal option for the next major championship at Southern Dunes. Uh, but if you absolutely have to get a piece of Cantlay this week, it would be in the matchup over Cam Smith on DraftKings at minus 110 or his top 10 ticket at plus 150, possibly since he's proven on multiple occasions that he can do so. What do you think, Lud? Yeah, and Cantley is one of those guys that does most of his damage with the driver, and he's actually been really struggling with his iron. So, you know, at 14 to 1, when you compare him to a guy like a Morikawa or a guy like a Cameron Smith, I believe he's like outside the top. 30 or 40 uh, approach strokes gained right now. Correct. So, you know, given the fact that on this golf course, Cantley is only going to be hitting the driver, you know, less than five times for a guy that normally does most of his damage with the driver. I don't see much value here at that number. Completely agree. No winning ticket at 14 to one on Cantley this week. Yeah. And then for our next guy, Cameron Smith at 16 to one, he is 93rd off the tee, eighth approach and the number one putter in the field. Um, Doc is, We've heard of the Masters hangover. You do have to win for that to be a thing, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, unless it's a, you know, Smiley Kaufman, second place finish a couple of years ago, uh, I think mm. you got to win. I think you got to win in order to have that hangover. Yeah. So, you know, he is coming off a third place finish at the Masters. I wouldn't say he lost the Masters, 
Of course, you can look at the 12th hole, that triple bogey definitely took him out of it, but it was more of a thing where Scotty Scheffler was just uh, unfloppable down the stretch. Um, let's look at Cam Smith's course history here. Finished in the top 10 last year, but the two previous years before that, he does have missed cuts. So a mixed bag when you're looking at his results, you know, Cam Smith playing the way he is right now, there's, you know, the books, the books can see it. I don't see much value at that, uh, at that 16 to one number. Um, So he's a, he's a pass for me this week. Yeah. I have nothing on Cam Smith uh, this week. We'd be getting on the, we'd be getting on the train too late kind of thing, you know? Yeah, really. uh, Yeah. I I think we're past, uh, you know, his, his prime as far as 2022 is concerned. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think we, we, we reevaluate Cam Smith at the open championship. Uh, mm. Maybe some Lynx golf could be pure, you know, that Australian weather. Anyways, we'll get on and with, it, yeah, go ahead. And I mean, one more thing, you just got to look at it. How, like, I'm not saying he can't play well here this week, but being in contention for, you know, four days at the masters, like that takes out of you. You know what I'm saying? Like he, this would definitely probably a tournament. If he won a green jacket, he's just not even playing in it. You know what I mean? But now he's almost like he's got to, you got to make up some ground for that player of the year award. <laughs> no doubt. Great work there led with Cam Smith, you know, definitely uh, a roller coaster type week at Augusta for Cam Smith. You know, that, that first round uh, featured what two doubles and, and eight birdies. Yeah. Uh, and you doubles. Know, really. I think he's got, He's got to be having nightmares about that 12th hole still, though, that triple bogey that pretty much ended, uh, yeah. uh, ended his run. Yeah, very, very Spieth-esque. Uh, yes. Very Spieth 2016-esque. Right out of the uh, Spieth handbook. Right, right out of it uh, from Cameron Smith last week on Sunday at Augusta. We'll move on to Daniel Berger at 18-1, to and Boogie is another favorite with, uh, you know, great prior results here, including a third-place finish in 2020. Uh, he's not coming off the greatest week at the Masters and finished near DFL after making the cut, but it is typical, to my surprise at least, to see him playing the week after the Masters. Uh, so, so, so there's not too much to worry about with Daniel Berger as far as the fatigue is concerned. You know, he kind of picks his spots on the schedule. And he's a is bit he of an a, RBC a- guy. I want to say, see, they used to have these like huge RBC bags and it was obvious. Now it's like a little more low key on the collar. The way Berger is, well, I think I just have a little PTSD from the, uh, the Paul Casey situation, but you know, do you want to throw that guy in your lineup? No, you know, so um, just from that standpoint, right? No, but yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, You know, I, I think there's a few tickets that I should address when it comes to Daniel Berger this week. Number one, you should stay away from the Berger over Connors matchup on FanDuel. That's a total toss up. Connors coming off a great week at Augusta. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be betting against him in the matchups. Number two, I'm getting a lot of listeners asking me about Matthew Fitzpatrick price this week. So you'll see Fitzpatrick favored over Daniel Berger. At minus 120 in their matchup on DraftKings. You know, that that matchup is not an opportunity to bet Berger as a dog because this is one of those events that Fitzpatrick circles on the calendar for sure. We'll get into that when we get into Fitzpatrick. And number three, if you really love Daniel Berger this week, you might as well go with the Berger top American ticket at 18 to one. 
uh, pretty much equivalent to his winning ticket options. I think Berger, you know, you could see him, you know, hold a share of the lead or at least be in contention heading into the final round. But, you know, a top American ticket at least gives you a second chance um, in case we see that Berger choke job that we saw at the players. So, you know, as far as Berger is concerned, you know, 18 to one, you know, I think you stay away from the winning ticket, but if you must have a piece of him, the top American ticket at 18 to one is the play. Good find there, Doc. Um, that American ticket, you know, you, that I might have to play that myself. Um, for our next guy, Shane Lowry at 18 to one. Um, he's 18 to one on DraftKings, 22 to one on BetMGM, which I really like. The former champion golf of the year is coming off a third place finish at the Masters. Um, he has now finished in the top 15 in seven straight worldwide events. You know, highlighting those, obviously, last week, third at the Masters, 12th at the Valspar, 13th at the Players, second at the Honda, which Honestly, he should have won. You know, he had a monsoon come in there on uh, 17 and 18. Um, didn't exactly finish the way he wanted, but also was really unlucky for, you know, most of the field to get in with perfect conditions. And then he had to play in torrential downpour. Um, looking at his stats, 61st off the tee, fourth approach. Um, loving the iron play for, for Shane lately. He's picked up an average of three, three shots approach per event with the irons in his last 10 starts. Two top tens in his last three starts at the RBC. So just, you know, one of the guys we like, but the fact that it's already backed up by he's he's played well here in the past. I think, you know, uh, this is definitely going to be uh, one of my plays this week. So he is 22 to one on bet MGM. And Doc, this is one of those examples where, you know, you look at it like a Wiley. If it was a par three course, uh, you know, and the tee shots didn't matter that much, Shane Lowry would be, you know, on your, you know, hand of guys, you're going to be picking uh, to be stuffing iron shots. Um, you know, the fact that you do have to lay back off the tee, you know, he's not giving up, uh, you know, a 20 yards to a Dustin Johnson or, you know, some of the longer guys in the field, this course forces you to hit it, you know, hit it to, to the same spots. And it just becomes a part three course, like we said. So I really do like his number at 22 to one, and that will actually be one of my picks to win. Yeah, I, I don't have anything on on Shane Lowry this week. I, you know, I'm a little worried as far as coming off the Masters, but he does play in this event. You know, he plays in, in this event year after year. He, he's had very good finishes there. Uh, so I can't argue with that evaluation. Led on to Matthew Fitzpatrick at 18 to 1. And, you know, even though Matt Fitzpatrick has picked up some yardage this year, an event like Harbortown will always attract someone like Fitzpatrick, who's on the lower end of the longest drive from the PGA tour. You know, he's made a great living off consistent iron play and Supreme short game. I was convinced that Matthew Fitzpatrick was going to win at some point on the Florida swing. And he came very close to Bay Hill and he came very close to Valspar T top 10 finishes at both. And really for the, for his last six events, Dating back to Pebble Beach, Fitzpatrick has hung out around the top 10 every single week with the except, exception of the players where he got screwed with the bad draw with Xander Shoffle and Brooks Kepka and Colin Morikawa. Uh, all those guys got completely screwed with the players. Shouldn't even be paying attention to that this year as far as the stats are concerned. Uh, but Matthew Fitzpatrick, he played excellent at the Masters last week, showed the ball great, finished T15, this is a guy who is 
top 20 in each of the strokes gained denominations over his last 16 rounds. I'm definitely going to be taking a 22 to one Fitzpatrick ticket to bet or to win um, this week. And, and if you're looking to take Fitzpatrick's side in a matchup, I would say Fitzpatrick over Cam Smith at plus 102 on FanDuel is your best option. And into our next guy, Dustin Johnson, who is 18 to one on DraftKings, and I've seen him at 20 to one on BetMGM. Um, honestly, just comparing to play, the players, comparing the number of PJ Tour wins, I do like a Dustin Johnson over a guy like a Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, DJ loves this event. You know, the South Carolina native, he wants to win here. He talked about it in his press conference how, um, you know, he really does want to support junior golf in South Carolina. No better way to do it than getting a nice little dub here, as a, especially as an RBC rep. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, right. Big RBC guy. Yeah. So Dustin Johnson, he, 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 He's got to be getting a nice little entry fee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Saudis, I don't think, could contend with that one. <laughs> no chance. Uh, Dustin Johnson is 11th off the tee, 43rd approach coming to this week. And his game is really starting to trend in the right direction. He's coming off a tied 12th at the Masters, um, 39th at Valspar. Made it to the final four at match play um, and just ran into the hottest player in golf. And, Doc, when you look at the, you know, we're scrolling up through his stats. Granted, we didn't get his stats for match play. He actually doesn't even show up as a tournament on, you know, the on the stat software we use. But, you know, realistically, he's probably taken down a Kisner. He's probably taken down a, a – who was the other guy in the, you know, the final four year? He just – yeah, he took down Kepka right after pool play. Took it's down Kepka. Great so, win. Yeah, realistically, he's a he ran into the hottest player in the golf, Scotty Scheffler. And yeah. you know, that's that's probably that WGC is on his resume if uh, you know Scotty's not playing. So given the fact that you know, I almost look at that as you know, getting to the final four there, how well he played, you know, that's almost a win in my mind. He had a you know, a top 10 at the players, 25th at the farmers. Uh, he's picked up shots off the tee in every event this season, and the, ar- the irons are starting to come around the last couple weeks. Uh, course history here, he has not finished worse than 30th uh, in his four starts there. In his four starts at the RBC, three of those being top 20s. I'm extremely interested in a guy like DJ at 20 to 1, especially because he has shown, you know, whether it's the last couple years or the last decade, he is a guy that racks up wins. So, um, for my other winning ticket, I'm going to be taking a Dustin Johnson at 20 to one on BetMGM. And on to Russell Henley at 22 to one. And quick Russell Henley story: my best bet streak of seven in a row came to an end last week with Russell Henley finishing outside the top 20. And glad this is a guy that gave me a heart attack on Sunday because after Saturday he was T38 and looked like the ticket was dead. So then Russell Henley comes out and shoots five under on the front nine on Sunday. And one of my buddies texts me, he goes, Russell Henley's back for sure. I'm like, hold on, hold on. We'll see. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster week for Henley. I said, hang on, you know, making a bunch of birdies. And then, you know, he, he would make a couple bogeys or a triple all week at, at Augusta. So what does he do on the back nine? He shoots four over to finish unbelievable but all in all he gave himself plenty of chances to contend at the masters his iron play which had hurt him at augusta in the past was great we talked about that going into the week about the great improvement that henley's made 
uh, to his iron play. And the putting was amazing under the watchful eye of uh, Ramon Bisconsa, who of course invented the perfect putter training tool. I'm sure a lot of you Simon in the suits and Billy at the bars have that in your, in your little office space, the perfect putting training aid. But here's my issue with Russell. Hansen is that the one week. where you have like a seven footer and the last foot is like uphill? Yes. I have. No, to, no, have no, 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 no. That's the, uh, that's the perfect practice sled. Oh, that's, okay, okay. That's the one that DJ endorses. No, yeah. I think the perfect putting is, is, is one of the, is one of those 100,000 mirrors that's, you know, ever been invented. Oh, I got um, line mirrors. That's did. right. Hey, it does a okay. job. It does a job. Love it does it. a job. But here's my problem with Russell Henley this week. When you look back over the years, uh, that Russell Henley has played the Masters with this event coming the week after he's missed the cut 50% of the time. So I'm off Russell Henley this week, and I forecast some fatigue in his game coming off a roller coaster week at Augusta National. Good work, Doc. And moving into our next guy, Corey Connors at 25 to 1. Got a new nickname brewing. Sorry, Connors, okay, for the Canadian. Um, I need this guy to win more. I need a little, I need him to be a little bit more alpha down the stretch. Um, Doc, I want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't know what you think of this comp, comp, but he's becoming a little bit of a Tringali, a little bit of oh, a, uh, yeah. you know, a check caster versus a guy who's uh, filling up the, the cabinet with trophies. Um, he is number one off the tee and 15th approach in his last 50 rounds relative to the field. He's coming off a sixth-place finish at the Masters last week. Um, recently got into the uh, – I think he's 31st now in the World uh, world Golf Ranking. So, um, you know, you look at the recent four – the recent form, 11th-place uh, finish at Bay Hill, 26th finish at Players, 35th at Valero. Um, here's our course comp, right? 11th-place uh, finish at Wiley. Uh, I do like that result coming in here. But, uh, Doc – I think 25 to one is a little short for a guy who just doesn't win that often. I believe he has one PGA tour win at Valero a long, uh, you know, a long time ago now. Uh, Correct. He does. So he's another one of those guys where he drives it so great, right? He's number one off the tee, but this week that driver is going to be in the bag most of the time. So I don't think we're getting full blown Corey Connors like we normally do. Uh, Cause it is uh, just a bit of a, an iron contest out here. I think you could play him in a top 10. You look at his course history. He did have a fourth place finish here last year. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm seeing some good stuff, seeing some bad stuff. I'm not going to have him in a ticket, but what about yourself? Yeah, I like Corey Connors this week. I like him, you know, he, he coming off a phenomenal week at Augusta, uh, put himself in the mix um, at a major championship. You always love to see that. And I love the evolution of Corey Connors at the RBC Heritage. You know, the first three years that he came to this event, MC Hammer, terrible stats across the board, uh, was really all over the place. And then you look at 2020, 2021, Corey Connors has really grown um, into a great, consistent professional golfer. 21st 21st place finish in 2020 and fourth place last year uh, with excellent numbers on the greens and and with his irons. Um, You know, you you bring up a great point that he just doesn't win that much, uh, but with his pristine iron play, I look at RBC as a place that uh, he's going to get himself in the mix for many years to come. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the board here, 
it does fall off a little bit. I think he's probably, you know, hanging on to that top tier by a, by a pinky, but yeah, I don't, you know, kind of some mixed up for me, but yeah, doc, I'm definitely not gonna, uh, you know, lose sleep over you having ticket on him. I think that, you know, not the worst play in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think we're going to see a couple Canadians in the mix, uh, and we'll get into some of those. There, I got a couple more on my on, on my uh, on my card. So we'll move into the matchups uh, yeah. for the RBC. I'll start here with Alex Norin over Kevin Kisner at minus one eighteen on Fanduel, and you know I feel like a lot of clowns will be expecting Kevin Kisner to show up this week based off the assumption that. You know, he'll perform well at the shorter golf courses. And of course, the whole, uh, you know, the whole barstool crowd, you know, they're on Kevin Kisner every week, you know, after he contends at match play, which really just doesn't matter. Um, you know, and, and I think the fact that Kisner has not finished better than 41st here uh, the past three years, you know, you look at kind of players that come here after the Masters and, you know, maybe they, they have a little bit of hangover regardless I think Kevin Kisner kind of falls under that bracket. His putter has carried him through most of the season. He's seventh in putting on the PGA Tour right now. But let's look into his other stats. Kevin Kisner does not rank better than 139th in driving or approach over his last 30 rounds. I look at that as a big issue coming to the RBC. So that's why I'm going to fade him against Alex Noren, who has been an absolute machine from Tita Green. Uh, since the Phoenix Open in February. If you remember the last time that we played Norin was with a top suite ticket for our best bet at the players. And of course, that cash to bury your book. Um, and listen, Alex Norin got a nice week off after barely missing out on qualifying for the Masters, but returns to a place in Harbortown Golf Links that he absolutely loves. Uh, you know, three uh, finishes inside the top 28 over the past three years. And come Sunday, you may see Alex Norton slip on that famous plaid jacket given to winners at the RBC. So my first matchup this week is going to be Alex Norton over Kevin Kisner, minus 118 on FanDuel. Love that matchup, Doc. And then for my first head-to-head, I'm going to take Colin Morikawa over Patrick Cantlay. That's minus 110 on the Barstool app. Um, You know, in Morikawa, I'm getting a guy who has gained strokes with his irons in four of his last five rounds. Uh, you know, he has five top seven finishes in his last seven starts coming off a top five finish at Augusta. He does seem to be firing on all cylinders. Meanwhile, Patrick Cantlay, you know, normally one of those guys, like I said earlier, that does most of the damage with a driver uh, who's going to have to keep it in the bag most of the time at Harbortown. So for that reason, I'm out on a Cantlay. Uh, but what it really comes down to is I'm getting the third best iron player in the field versus a guy who's, you know, in that 30 to 40 range with the irons at even money. And this is a second shot golf course. So for me, the fact that you can get, you know, a much better iron player at, uh, you know, at a pick them here uh, is too, you know, too good to pass up on. So for my first head to head, it's going to be Colin Morikawa over Patrick Cantlay minus 110. And that's on the Barcelona app. Love that. And love Morikawa. Really. You know, across the board, any way, shape, or form you can get him. So, uh, great work there, uh, Led. On to Sibu Kim over Russell Henley at plus 150 on FanDuel. Like I said in the favorites, when Russell Henley comes to the RBC after the Masters, he shows signs of fatigue. He's done that in the past, 50% of the time. And if you deep dive into Henley's driving performance this year, he's not putting up 
you know, the numbers off the tee to have a real chance at competing at the RBC this week. But here's the good news. You don't have to worry about fatigue with a guy like Siwoo Kim, who plays 38 events a year. And you want to talk about a guy who has been lighting up the numbers as far as the ball striking is concerned. You know, Siwoo Kim ranks inside the top 20 in driving and inside the top 40 in approach over his last 12 rounds. And prior to that, he had an excellent West Coast swing. You know, all in all, the 38th ranked, 36th ranked player on the FedEx Cup standings. And Siwoo Kim has had an excellent, excellent year. And we're going to dial him up in this matchup over Russell Henley at plus 150 on FanDuel. Yeah, Doc, and for my other matchup, I'm going to – I do – I have three matchups this week. One I'm holding off for the best bet. But for my next matchup, I'm taking Joaquin Neiman over Sungjae M. That's minus 120 on DraftKings. Yes, Sungjae is coming off a bit of a career show at Augusta, but the Irons have been nothing short of atrocious. He's lost strokes in five of his last seven events approach. And coming into a course – with some of the smallest greens on tour, I do think he could struggle. This is another matchup where I think the driver could be neutralized. And once that happens, I want the better iron player. Joaquin is the 33rd best iron player in the field, while Sungjae is in the you know upper 50s. Sungjae has only made the cut one time in his three starts here. When you compare that to a guy like Joaquin, who has played here once and has finished in the top five in 2020 so when you look at the course history when you look at the stats when you look at the course fit i think joaquin favors in all of those this week and is a must play so for my other matchup it's going to be joaquin neiman over sung jm minus 120 on DraftKings. okay i like the sung j fade there this week what a what a long frustrate well you know all in all good week for sung j last week but to lose the lead and uh you know to not get it back it's excruciating on the mind. It's tough on the body. It's painful for the soul. So uh, great work there, Led. We'll move on to Kevin Streelman over JJ Spawn, minus 110 on DraftKings. Now, I must take some time to say, you know, what an incredible last few weeks it has been for JJ Spawn. What a Cinderella story the last two weeks have been for JJ Spawn. He wins the Valero to qualify for the Masters for the first time in his career and then goes to Augusta and finishes 23rd playing incredibly consistent. But here's the bad news. The road to glory for J.J. Spawns ends this week at the RBC. Uh, you know, if you look, you know, I love my guy Kevin Streelman in this matchup over on DraftKings. If you look at what Kevin Streelman has been doing since the players, you know, it's tough to make a case against him this week. He has done it out, you know, he has an outstanding track record at Harbor Town, including three top 10 finishes. You know, this is exactly the spot in the season where he really steps up uh, his game in preparation for the rest of the major championships. And, you know, what a great spot for Kevin Streelman here. I have this at Kevin Streelman over JJ Spawn at minus 110 on DraftKings. Okay, and moving into our picks to place, I'll start it off with Webb Simpson top 10 plus 330. You know, Webb reminds me of a guy like DJ. People think he's really struggling this season. Meanwhile, he's just only played four events, right? So you can't uh you can't finish top 10, you can't win if you're not teeing it up. You know, at the end of 2021, he did find a little bit of form. He had a top 20 at the CJ Cup and a top 10 at RSM. Um 
you know, that Sea Island Golf Course is a bit of a course comp here, which I like coming into this event. But, uh, you know, three or four cuts made so far this season, no top 20s. I think we're getting this number. You know, you look at a guy like Webb Simpson, who's won several times on tour. We can kind of take advantage of the fact that he's not coming off a, a top 10 at Augusta because maybe that number is, you know, that number would be a lot shorter. Um, when you look at uh, – when you look at Webb Simpson's game, he owns Harbortown, right? He's a short hitter. He's an assassin with the wedges. Uh, so I think this is his dream setup. Here's his course history. Nine for nine cuts made. Uh, finished top 10 last year where he actually lost strokes putting. So really should have been a lot better result. He won here in 2020. Uh, he also has a runner-up fifth place, two other top 20s on the resume at Harbortown. So I think Webb turns back the clock this week and contends so for my first pick to place, it's Webb Simpson top 10 plus 330. Yeah, and my first uh, pick to place this week is going to be Adam Hadwin top 20 at plus 230 on DraftKings Sportsbook. And you know the value in this play is just absolutely incredible. I'm not sure what Vegas is thinking, giving us Adam Hadwin to top 20 plus 230. This guy you know, has been the model of consistency in 2022 and has – you know, absolutely flourished during the Florida swing, racking up three consecutive top 10 finishes. And although Hadwin has not finished better than 22nd and six starts at the RBC, I would not look at that as a subject of concern for him this week. He did not play the Masters last week, so he got the optimal amount of, amount of preparation and he ranks 12th on the PGA Tour in greens and regulation and 28th in driving accuracy. You know, those two stats really make me love Adam Hadwin to contend this week. So my first pick to place is going to be Adam Hadwin top 20 at plus 230 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, for my next guy, Joaquin Neiman top 10 plus 350 on DraftKings. And just mentioning earlier that Webb Simpson ticket was a DraftKings ticket as well. Um, Joaquin Neiman top 10, 13th off the tee, 33rd approach in his last 50 rounds. He is fifth in strokes gained around the green. I think that's going to play big this week, just given the fact that we do have those smaller greens. A good ball striking day might be 12 greens, and you're going to have to get up and down five out of six times. Joaquin Neiman has shown he uh, can do that. Here's his last five starts. Sixth at Farmers, win at the Genesis, MC at Honda, 22nd at Players, 30 place, 35th place finish last week at Augusta. You know He's picked up strokes off the tee in five straight, four of five with the Irons. And then, you know, I wouldn't say he hates this, hates this place. He's uh, played here one time and had a top five. So I just, you know, I just really do like that number this week. I think he can do it even with a mediocre putting week. I think he can top 10. So for my next pick to place, it's Joaquin Neiman top 10 plus 350. Yeah, great work. The, great work there, Led. Great spot uh, for Joko heading into the RBC. He might be an RBC guy. We'll have to check on that. Um, I think everybody's an RBC guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. On to Maverick McNeely, top 20, plus 230 on Bet365. I like McNeely off a few weeks of rest to get his wedge play dialed in. It was an aspect of his game that made the Florida swing and the Valero Texas Open unenjoyable for Maverick. He did not miss any cuts in his last three starts. That's the good part, but nothing better than 35th. Now he comes back to a place where he finished fourth at last year. And regardless of the average finishes as of late, 
uh, McNeely is completely dialed in from T to green. You know, he just really has to get that chipping in order. He's 29th on tour and driving. He's 24th in birdie average. So I have no doubts that Maverick McNeely, who is still knocking on the door for that first PGA Tour win, will have an outstanding week at the RBC. So my second pick to place is going to be Maverick McNeely, top 20, plus 230 on Bet365. I love that play, Doc. I might have to join in on that. Um, Come on, Led. Come on over. All right, I'm getting in on it. Good work, Doc. And moving into our next guy, Harold Varner, top 20, plus 230. I absolutely love Harold Varner this week. He's coming off a 23rd place finish at the Masters. He's coming off a 6th place finish at the Players. Sandwiched between those two starts was a 58th at the Valspar, which is nothing to write home about. But he did lose four strokes with the putter that week. Okay, so if he has a decent putting week at Valspar, tough golf course, bunch leaderboard, you know, maybe that's closer to a top 20. And then we're really looking at him, um, you know, his form trending in the right direction. Uh he does have a miss, a couple of missed cuts at this venue, but also he did finish runner up here last year. Uh, just one of those players, not one of the longer guys, great iron player, kind of fits the mold that for guys that have won here. Uh, you know, even last week at Augusta, he only picked up a half shot on the green. So he did that predominantly with ball striking. Uh, you know, looking back at the RBC last year, he picked up five shots approach and route to that runner up finish. So he's just one of those guys that I think could really do well this week. So for my next picks to place, it's Harold Varner, top 20, plus 230. Yeah, I think Harold Varner is an excellent option this week. Uh, you know, you kind of parlay the fact that he came in second last year. And you look at his numbers at the Masters. He was plus every strokes gained category denomination uh, from T to green last week at the Masters. I'm sure, you know, the Saudi International one was nice. But to really solidify himself, he's going to have to win on the PGA Tour. I think this is a good spot for Varner in, 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 in Harbortown. Um, it, it's, he's another one of those players that probably circles this event on the calendar. Yeah, and Doug, just looking at how uh, you know, Varner's been playing, this is the best golf really he's played in his career. Uh, yeah. you know, starting to have some results in majors, top 10 at the players. Uh, you know, his game is really starting to, to wind into good, some good form. And, you know, realistically you know he's not crazy long crazy short but just looking at the shorter players this week uh you know players in that kind of profile of accuracy over power this is one of the events on the schedule where they're licking their chops they know they need to do well here i think varner is one of those guys where you know you go out to you know, augusta i wouldn't even think would be that great a setup for him last week um him not being the longest out there and he was able to kind of have a top 25 finish all we need is a top 20 uh, this week at plus 230. And like we said, you kind of have the top 10 guys and then it falls off a little bit. I think there's definitely some room for Harold Varner just to squeeze in there this week. Yeah, great work there on Varner. Uh, for my last pick to place this week, it's going to be Colin Morikawa top 10 at plus 160 on FanDuel. And listen, it's tough to like any player in the field this week more than Colin Morikawa. He was completely dialed in from Tita Green last week at Augusta, including the putting, which is Always a thought of concern when it comes to Morikawa. He came in seventh year last year while having a crummy, crummy week on the greens. This is a guy who's going to be, look, most simply, this is the most simple way I can say it. He's going to be in contention all week. Um, I I love Morikawa this week. You know, I, I get to 12 to 1. He is a bit overjacked with the price. I'm buying in, Led. It's a, a rare occasion for me. Yeah. And Colin's one of those guys you do – 
you know, he's not going to throw up a Bryson 79 the first day. Uh, he's one of those guys who's so consistent, uh, you know, especially obviously ball striking. So that's a nice ticket um, to have, you know, and for my last uh, pick that's place, I have Mito Pereira top 20 plus 275. Mito has seven top 30s in his last 10 starts on tour. Um, what's nice, obviously, with that stat is there's a pretty good chance he's going to be right there on Sunday. He's picked up strokes off the tee in his last four starts. He's picked up strokes approach in six of his last seven. Yes, this will be his debut here. Um, you know, nowadays, yardage books, experienced caddies. I think he's going to be fine. Um, he didn't play the Masters this week, so he is going to be well-rested coming in here. If, you know, not having played here before, I would be a, maybe a little concerned that, you know, you're leaving Sunday night and shooting over to uh, to this event. But the fact that he didn't play last week, I think he probably has an extra practice round on everyone, <laughs> on everyone kind of coming in this week or on all the studs coming in this week, at least. Uh, Mito has picked up strokes with the flat stick in eight of his last 10. So he's a great ball striker and he's really putting well as of late. Um, I'm getting the 11th best iron player in the field. That's putting great on a second shot golf course at plus 275 for a top 20. I am hammering it every time. So just recapping that that's Mito Pereira top 20 plus 275 on DraftKings. Great work there. Led Mito, another Chilean great spot this week, as well as Joko on to our dark horses. I'm going to go with Sepp Straka top 20 plus 430. On DraftKings, I mean, can you believe this? We're getting the winner of the Honda Classic at plus 430 odds to top 20 this week. And it's not even like we've seen regression since then from Straka, who's ranked 17th on the FedEx Cup standings. After emceeing in his hangover week at Bay Hill, Mm -hmm. after his win at the Honda, Straka came ninth at the players, had a very, you know, very few solid rounds and pool play at the WGC, got Paired in a really tough bracket uh, because he was the lowest ranked player in the field. Him or Richard Bland. Uh, we'll have to check up on that. But then he finishes 30th at the Masters in a week that was very, you know, very solid for Straka as far as the stats were concerned from Tita Green. And, you know, I think we see Straka make the cut here for the third straight year in a row and have a decent chance over the weekend. So my first dark horse is going to be Sepp Straka, top 20. Um, at plus 430 on FanDuel. And Len, I'll just, you know, I have one more dark horse for you real quick here. It's going to be Danny McCarthy, top 20 at plus 410. Um, And that's going to be over on FanDuel. You know, 13th at the RBC last year, and I put him in that fraternity with Fitzpatrick, with with Varner, uh, you know, with a couple of the other shorter hitters um, on tour that, you know, really have to take advantage of this opportunity this week at, uh, at Harbor town. So uh, my second dark horse is going to be Denny McCarthy top 20 plus four ten on FanDuel. Nice. Love it. And then for my dark horse doc, we've been doing this podcast for almost a year now. This is my absolute favorite golf bet I've ever placed. It's boom or bust. We're either ordering surf and turf or eating ramen for weeks based on the outcome of this bet. Okay, you must bet on Luke Donald this week, 251, 250 to one outright. His top 10 is 22 to one. His top 20 is plus a thousand on DraftKings. Okay, first off, this golf course, Harbortown, 
Harbortown Golf Links was designed for him. He's so short. He averages 278 off the tee. This man is 5'9", 150 pounds, soaking wet. And this is the one week every year where he actually has a chance to contend, okay? Um, you know, based off the fact you must lay back off the tee, right? He can hit driver where everybody else hits their, their three irons too. The thing that jumped out to me and the reason I just have to be on this bet is he is the fifth best iron player in the field in his last 50 rounds. Better than JT, better than Cam Smith, better than Corey Connors, better than Patrick Cantlay, okay? Two starts ago, he finished 16th at the Valspar, picking up six shots with his irons alone. He finished 27th at the Sony Open. At, you know, that's our course comp, why lie? Um, here's his course history, okay? No wins here, but you might as well start sculpting the statue next to the first tee if he pulls it off this week and wins the plaid jacket. He has a runner-up in 2017. He has a runner-up in 2016, 15th in 2015, runner-up in 2014, third place finish in 2013, two other runner-ups in 2011 and 2009. He has five runner-ups here. And Doc, yes, some of these are over a decade ago. But Luke has, you know, he's been lost the last couple of years. He's had some injuries, okay? But when we really look at the reason why uh, Luke Donald became the number one player in the world, it was his iron play. And the fact that he's shown some semblance of that, the, you know, he's the fifth best iron play iron player in this field. Um, you know, just look at this man's, like, track record, okay? He's the first uh, first guy to both to win the PJ Tour and the European Tour money list in the same year. This man is a stud, okay? There's absolutely no reason to not sprinkle some 250 to 1 outright some top 10 at 22 to one and some top 20 at uh, 10 to one. And that can be found on DraftKings. And I'm saying it again, my absolute favorite bet I've ever placed. Luke Donald is my dark horse this week. Led absolutely fiending on the Luke Donald deep dive. I love it. Uh, great champion uh, that he was, you know, when he was, I think he was world number one in 2011. And came to this tournament, Brant Snedeker beat him in a playoff. It's kind of Brant Snedeker's hello world. So, and it's kind of one there, of, yeah. it's, he's kind of one of those guys, right? When we look at like a Gary Woodland or a Jason Day, yes, they do have some injuries, but if they show a little bit of form of their old selves, I think there's always some value there. No doubt, led great work. On to our winners uh, for the RBC. Um, I have a couple here for you this week. Uh, about five. Um, so my first one, I got it. You know, I have to take, like I said, Colin Morikawa 12 to one on FanDuel. I'm dropping under my, you know, my 20 to one or under rule, my policy, uh, because it's, a, you know, it's just such a great spot for Morikawa this week. I can't be missing out on that. My second one, Matthew Fitzpatrick, 20 to one on, on points bet. Someone we've been, you know, we've been trailing for a while, waiting for him to get his first PGA tour win. You know, I, I have to take him this week uh, due to the venue. This is, this is, you know, going to be a hot spot for years to come for Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, and then Corey Connors, 26 to one on FanDuel. He finished fourth at the RBC last year, uh, looking to get his second PGA Tour win. And then my final one, sorry, my second to last one is going to be Siwoo Kim, 50 to one on DraftKings. He lost in a playoff here in 2018 to Satoshi Kodera. So, um, you know, good, good spot there for Siwoo. And my last one is going to be Adam Hadwin at 60 to one on DraftKings. Like I said earlier, has been one of the staples for consistency 
as far as 2022 is concerned. So uh, those are my winners as far as the RBC heritage is concerned this week. Yeah, and for this week, I touched on most of these guys. Um, Dustin Johnson at 20 to 1 on Bet MGM. He has four top 30s here. He's been a 36 hole leader. I think he could certainly get it done this week. Another guy, Shane Lowry, 22 to 1 on Bet MGM. Seven top 15 finishes coming into this week. I think he keeps that going. Webb Simpson, I think he can turn back the clock um, this year. Former winner here in 2020. Uh, you know, shown a little bit of form as of late. That's all we need to see from Webb. And this, I mean, he's perfect for this golf course, right? Not one of the longer guys, but absolute, you know, assassin with the wedges. So he's 35 to one on that MGM. One more guy uh, or two more guys here. Harold Varner at 65 to one on DraftKings. You know, runner up last year. I look for him to have a good week. Keep that stretch of golf he's been playing. Um and then Mito Pereira, I love the number for him, 90 to 1 on DraftKings. Gains stroke, you know, great ball striker. The reason he's on tour is his ball striking, but the fact that he's picked up strokes on the greens in eight of his last 10, I think that's too good to pass up. And that's uh, Mito Pereira, 90 to 1 on DraftKings. Okay. And on to a little bit of a degenerate bet action uh, here for me and Led. You know, I, this as far as the odds are concerned, I wouldn't call this degeneracy. But as far as someone who's really just not hitting the ball well, but you know has put together some good finishes this year, you have to talk about Bo Hosler. Um, and you know, it, it's amazing. A third at Pebble Beach, sixteenth at Honda, twentieth at the AP, fourth at Valero. Yet, you know, over the last twenty rounds, really not hitting his tee ball good, not hitting his approach good. But I like him this week. You know, he comes back to the RBC at a place that he finished 16th a couple of years ago. You know, missed the cut here in 19. But, you know, we, we obviously know that it's been a long journey back for Hosler. Um, as far as the competitive golf is concerned, you know, he was a prodigy coming out of college. It took him a couple more years to get acclimated to professional golf than we all assumed. Uh, so I'm going to take Hosler top 40 at plus 170. I, you know, I, I feel like he, he's, he's a long shot all in all this, all this week. Um, I think he makes the cut, maybe, maybe gets into contention. Um, but that's going to be my degen bet of the week. Bo Hosler top 40 at plus 170. Good work, doc. And for my degen bet, it's going to be Jim Furyk top 40. Wow. Plus, plus 275. Jim has played one PJ tour event this year. And it was a 42nd place finish at the Sony at the Wiley. That is our course comp. I want to say he, you know, I think I took him something crazy, like to win at uh, at Sony or whatever. And he was the first round leader or he was like second. Yeah. I think he shot like 63 or 64 the first round. You know, Jim Fuhrer cannot compete with these, you know, young guns on any golf course, except a course like Harbortown or a Wiley where he can hit a driver where these guys are hitting three irons. So, um, you know, Furyk is an all-time great. As long as he's not giving up 50 yards off the tee, there's no reason why he can't keep up with the young guns still. So um, I think he gets up for this week. He hasn't been playing too hot on the Champions Tour, but, uh, you know, Doc, do we know if there's a uh, Champions dinner for the uh, RBC Heritage? <laughs> like a plaid jacket dinner? <laughs> a plaid jacket dinner? You know, maybe, wow. meet, at the, maybe meet at the Lighthouse or something? Um, well, I would, you know, Boo, Boo Weekly would be present. He won this twice. He'd be a good time. Yeah. Jacket dinner with Boo. What is Boo Weekly up to? He's got a, if he wanted to, he could play in this event, right? Two time winner. He's definitely getting a spot. Boo is not playing this week. So, 
um, you know, whether he's on property for some type of champion's dinner where, you know, cans of Copenhagen and, and bass would be served uh, mm. for booze choice. I'm not sure, but it would be a great time. Stu Sink, Davis Love, uh, you know, we'd have to kick Matt Kuchar out of there, but uh, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but Jimmy Furyk. Yeah, yeah, for my Degen bet, yeah, Jim Furyk, top 40, plus 275. I just think an old guy is going to do well this week. Um, hope, hopefully it's either a Jim Furyk or maybe uh, a Luke Donald, my favorite bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I sure hope it's not Kuchar, you know, because, uh, you know, we know that uh, everyone on property is getting a pretty terrible tip. Um, if he's in the winner's circle. Uh, so I like your thinking led as far as the veterans are concerned, Jimmy Furyk, you know, give me, give me anyone over Kuchar. Give me Davis love over Kuchar for Christ's sake. Um, and on to what the next option DraftKings lineups uh, this week, I'm going to go Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm going to go Corey Connors. I'm going to go Siwoo Kim. I'm going to go Adam Hadwin. I'm going to go Sepp Straka. And our boy, last but not least, Adam Svensson uh, for our caboose in our DraftKings lineup this week, led. Sven Dog. Love it. Yes. And then for my DraftKings lineup, I'm going to go Joaquin Neiman, Shane Lowry, Tom Hoagie, Mito Pereira, Her- Pereira uh, Harold Varner, and my caboose is Luke Donald. I love it. Another vet in, on your card. I forgot about him. Uh, yeah, I'm rooting as far as the vets are concerned this week. I'm rooting Jim Furyk. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting Luke Donald, Davis Love, Stu Sink, um, and really everyone over 40 and then, and then Matt Kuchar. So I like it. How good would a Luke Donald story be? Yeah, it would be great. You know, about 12 years later now from, um, you know, from, I, I still remember when Sneds beat him in a playoff in 11 here. Uh, he is a past champ, isn't he? Is he a past champ at RBC? No, no, no just a five-time runner-up. Never been able to get across he the finish line. He is not correct. But, uh, I see that. He's showing, he's showing the iron plate. Fifth best yeah. approach. You know, ahead of JT, ahead of some of these guys. I just think, man, 250 to one. I mean, that takes care of some, some stuff, right? <laughs> Great dive there, Led. Uh, to wrap things up. Uh, the best bet for the week. And I meant to save this pick for my best bets, but I already, I already went over it. My best bet for the week is going to be Colin Morikawa top 10 and plus 160 on FanDuel. In my opinion, just not a better look for him this week. If he gets the putter rolling, you could see him lap the field this week, Led. Yeah, good work, Doc. And then for my best bet, I'm going to do top Japanese player. This can be found on BetMGM. Um, this might as well be a head-to-head because there's only t- uh, two Japanese guys in the field. It's going to be Takumi Kanaya versus Satoshi Kodaira. Um, don't hold me to that. Uh, um, not too bad there, lad. Not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, Doc, you know, looking at the sports book, I don't know if they, like, mix these guys up or what's going on. Takumi Kanaya is minus 125 in this matchup, and this would be the guy I will be fading. Um, given the reason he's missed eight of his nat- last nine cuts on the PJ tour, he's lost an average of four shots approach in his last five events. He's the 120th best player tee to green in the field. I have no idea how he's favored in this matchup. Now my guy I am going to be taking is Satoshi Kadaira. He is plus 100 in this matchup. Kadaira has made three of four cuts on the PJ tour 33rd at pebble, which is our, you know, a little bit of our course comp for those smaller greens. Guess where his other uh, top 20 is 
specifically 12th place finish, Doc, earlier in the year. Why lie? Bang. Okay. So absolutely love him for this week. Not to mention he has a plaid jacket at home. He won That's here. Right. He won here in 2018. That's right. This is my absolute best bet of the week. Satoshi Kadaira, top Japanese player on Bet MGM. Murder it. Lad, I'm feeling a big week from you. Great spot there. What the, the looks that you gave today, Luke Donald, Jim Furyk, Satoshi. Uh, great work today. It's going to be a great week of golf. Everyone needs to be, everyone needs to be tuned in. This is the, what a field, what a field we have this week. You know, I'll repeat this again, but you know, in 2021, uh, as far as a normal regular season PGA tour event was concerned, this was the best of the best. So, uh, some great past champions in the field, Webb Simpson, Stu Sink, Jimmy Furyk, who Led's going to cash out on this week. I'm really excited to get it underway. Yeah, and before we forget, let's just throw our uh, winning scores here. Uh, I'm going to be taking uh, – I have – for me, I'm going to take 16 under par, I think, gets it done. We, we've predicted a little bit of rain uh, late in the week. That's what the weatherman's saying. So the average over the last 10 years, I believe, is 14 under par. So maybe a little softer course leads to that. Led, not trying to screw you, my friend. I'm going 17 under. Had this number in my mind. Wow. Okay. Add it in my mind. It's going to be beautiful the first two days. The players will go super low Thursday and Friday. And then the rain, you know, hopefully it just comes in and slows things down a bit um, over the weekend. So 17 under is going to be my scoring prediction for the RBC. Let's make some money this week, boys. Yeah, Led, great work today and best of luck, everyone. Uh, with their picks. This is the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview for RBC Heritage, and we'll see you next week. See ya.